Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Mass shooting in Maine. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Thursday. October 26th. Thanks for spending time with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Authorities north of Portland say at least 22 people are dead after a gunman opened fire at a restaurant and then a bowling alley in the city of Lewiston. On Capitol Hill, the House has approved Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana as the newest speaker, replacing Kevin McCarthy. United Auto Workers Union has reached a tentative labor agreement with Ford. It contains a 25% pay bump over four years. And why rising home prices aren't always good for retirees. What they're finding is that the smaller house they might want to downsize to is not that much cheaper a lot of times than the house they're trying to sell. That large family home they're trying to unload, it's not that easy to to make that kind of downsizing move these days. Elizabeth O'Brien at Barron's on the curse of higher home prices for retirees looking to downsize. Police in southern Maine are searching for a man accused of killing at least 22 people at two separate locations. The mass shootings took place four miles apart last evening at a restaurant and then a bowling alley in Lewiston, about 35 miles north of Portland. Law enforcement authorities say they were trying to locate 40-year-old Robert Card, their sole person of interest. Police say he's a trained firearms instructor with mental health issues and a member of the U.S. Army Reserve. Mike Sawshuck is commissioner of the State Department of Public Safety. We have uh, literally hundreds of police officers working around the state of Maine uh, to investigate this case, to locate Mr. Card, who again is a person of interest and a person of interest only. And we'll continue to gather information so that we can bring uh, the suspect to justice. Police say a shelter-in-place order in Lewiston remains and that residents in neighboring Lisbon, Maine, were also being asked to shelter in place because the vehicle they have been looking for was located there. Changing gears now, Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana is the new Speaker of the House. Nominated by Republicans on Tuesday, then winning a vote of the full House yesterday, Mr. Johnson's victory brought an end to weeks of intra-party fighting since the ouster of Kevin McCarthy. With a speaker now in place, lawmakers can return to work, with many eager to pass aid for Israel and address a looming government funding deadline next month. Turmoil and violence have rocked the Middle East and Eastern Europe. We all know it, and tensions continue to build in the Indo-Pacific. The country demands strong leadership of this body, and we must not waver. Among his supporters, Missouri Republican Mark Alford. I truly believe that Mike Johnson is the man who has risen to the top. He is uh, going to unite our conference, and I think unite our house. Mr. Johnson, a constitutional lawyer, is known for his conservative stances on cultural issues and spending and led an effort to help former President Trump try to overturn the 2020 election results. He previously led the Republican Study Committee and serves on the House Judiciary Committee. He was the fourth GOP speaker nominee this month. Overseas now, Israel made more strikes on the Gaza Strip as it prepared for a ground invasion designed to annihilate the terrorist group Hamas. In an indication Israel was widening assaults into Gaza that began at the weekend, the military said ground forces attacked multiple targets early today before withdrawing. Army Radio described it as the biggest incursion of the current war. U.N. Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield wants blocks of time to deliver aid and is calling for the humanitarian treatment of hostages. And a vote for this resolution sends the message that every single hostage must be released 
immediately without conditions. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal says Israel had agreed to delay invading Gaza until U.S. air defense systems can be placed in the region to protect American forces. Reuters is reporting that Washington has raised its concerns with Israel that Iran and Iranian-backed Islamist groups could escalate the conflict by attacking U.S. troops in the Middle East. They say an Israeli incursion into Gaza could be a trigger for Iranian proxies. Aging is a journey that can gather some unwanted passengers, namely those senescent or zombie cells. Hi, it's Gordon Deal, and I used to feel that sluggish middle-aged mood, those aches after workouts. I could practically feel those old cells just taking up space, bogging me down. Then I found Qualia Senolytic. Think of it as giving your body a little spring cleaning, pruning away the worn-out cells and letting the lively ones shine. And you only take it two days a month. Crafted with vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO ingredients. Plus, with a 100-day money-back guarantee, you've got a risk-free journey to rejuvenation. Resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Gordon for up to $100 off and use code Gordon at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash Gordon for an extra 15% off. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's show. Neurohacker.com slash Gordon. Welcome into Thursday. We'll have more on the mass shooting in Maine in just a few moments. Meanwhile, you've heard the names. Steve Scalise, Tom Emmer, Jim Jordan, Mike Johnson, everyone in the House GOP's leadership ranks, plus a host of other rank-and-file members, has taken a shot at replacing Kevin McCarthy, with one curious exception, Elise Stefanik, the Republican from upstate New York, highest-ranking GOP woman. I rise today to nominate the gentleman from Louisiana, Mike Johnson, as Speaker of the People's House. Why didn't she offer herself as a candidate for Speaker? More from Nick Reisman, politics reporter at Politico. Nick, what are we seeing? Well, what's really interesting that's going on right now, Gordon, is as the House GOP over the last 20 plus days or so has really kind of erupted into chaos. And we have seen essentially every member of the House Republican leadership go down in defeat in these in these speakership votes. The, the sole member of that leadership team in the House Republican conference who has not put in to run for speaker or and is really largely kind of stayed above the fray publicly has been Congresswoman. Elise Stefanik of uh, upstate New York in the North Country region of New York. And she has kind of been able to demonstrate to a certain degree that she's uh, something of a leader within the New York Republican delegation, which is obviously going to be really pivotal, pivotal going forward for mm-hmm. Republicans because they are in large part responsible for the fact that the Republicans even have a House majority in the first place. It was said in your story that uh, some feel she may be in this for the long game, meaning what? In large part, it could mean that, look, this may not be the best time to be Speaker of the House of Representatives, right? It's a very narrow Republican majority in the House at the moment, and whoever is going to be Speaker will likely be led around by the nose by the very small faction of Republicans who defenestrated Kevin McCarthy earlier this month. So this may not be an ideal time to be kind of a history-making House Speaker or whatever sort of designs that she has if she were to seek that job 
one day. Look, you know, she's only 39 years old. She hasn't been in Congress for more than a decade at this point. So she does have a lot of time that she can bide at the moment to kind of take a, a look at the room and figure out where she would like to go with her career. She has not ruled out becoming speaker one day. I talked with her actually back in August, and she pointedly did not rule out one day seeking that job. Everyone is more or less convinced that she is a very ambitious figure within the Republican Party right now, and in many respects kind of viewed as the future of the Republican Party in New York and across the country. Well, we're speaking with Nick Reisman, New York politics reporter at Politico. His piece is called Republicans are Tearing Themselves to Pieces. Elise Stefanik isn't joining them. She's the Republican from upstate New York. Uh, meanwhile, at least uh, by reading your piece, I get the sense she's building a lot of credibility as a fundraiser. That's right. She uh, really, since the beginning of the year, has been kind of undertaking this national fundraising effort to make sure that the five or so vulnerable Republicans from New York in the House of Representatives will indeed be able to uh, uh, win re-election and win a second term and in large part be able to keep that House majority. She wants to raise an ambitious amount of money, $100 million for New York alone in order to keep the House of Representatives in Republican hands. And now, as we're seeing people like Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise go down in this leadership fight, see their stature diminish within the party, Stefanik is really kind of one of the last Republicans left standing who has been unscathed by this. So her stock, if you will, is only going to go up higher as a result. Why, did, why do some say she's a political contortionist, Nick? Well, she has had kind of an interesting career because it's kind of spanned over this last decade, I think it's fair to say, of upheaval in our country's politics. And she began in large part as a Paul Ryan acolyte, if you will, someone who had served as an aide for Paul Ryan when he ran for uh, vice president. And she had initially been somewhat critical, if not skeptical, of Donald Trump when he was running for president the first time around back in 2016. And really, over the course of that time, we have seen her evolve into a devoted and staunch supporter of President, uh, former President Donald Trump at this point. And so that has fueled some skepticism on the right and, and, and real hostility on the left when it comes to this idea that she may not necessarily be a full-throated Trump supporter. But if you look at her congressional district in the Adirondack Park of New York State, that is Trump country for upstate New York, and she is in large part really representing her district. Thanks, Nick. Nick Reisman, politics reporter at Politico. By the way, if you've missed anything, be sure to check out a podcast of today's show. It's available every day on the This Morning with Gordon Deal app, plus on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. 19 minutes after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. A shooter in Lewiston, Maine, has killed at least 22 people and injured between 50 and 60. And authorities are still on the hunt for a person of interest near the state's second largest city. Mike Soschuk, commissioner for the Department of Public Safety in Maine, says authorities are trying to locate 40-year-old Robert Card, who is the sole person of interest. There are multiple scenes in the city to include multiple hospitals, uh, multiple follow-ups, a lot of witnesses worth speaking with, and a lot of leads. Uh, the general public has been very cooperative. Uh, and very forthcoming with information. The mass shootings took place at a restaurant and bowling alley about four miles away from each other. The massacre was the deadliest mass shooting of 2023 so far.
Number two. The Biden administration is pushing for more aid to get into Gaza and signaling Israel to pause its military offensive against Hamas militants. Amid concerns that days of heavy bombardment and a siege of the Palestinian enclave are creating a growing humanitarian disaster and raising the risk of a wider conflict, UN Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield. And the United States will continue to work with our partners to facilitate the delivery of humanitarian relief into Gaza. At a news conference with Australia's Prime Minister, President Biden expressed strong solidarity with Israel, but said the flow of humanitarian aid into Gaza needed to increase. Number three. According to a report released by the Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas didn't report on required financial disclosure forms that a friend forgave some or all of a $267,230 loan. Thomas and his wife borrowed the money from a longtime friend to purchase a luxury motor coach in 1999. Wyden says the new evidence raises a number of potentially serious tax questions for Thomas. The UAW has secured a new tentative labor deal with Ford, potentially ending a six-week strike while negotiations continue with GM and Stellantis. Union President Sean Fain. We reached a tentative agreement with Ford. For months, we've said that record profits mean record contracts. And UAW family, our stand-up strike has delivered. The labor agreement contains a 25% wage increase during the span of the contract, which would put the top wage for assembly workers around $40 an hour. Workers will also receive cost-of-living adjustments, which were suspended in 2009. All right, thank you, Jen. Rising home prices are generally considered a boon for homeowners, especially long-term owners near or in retirement. But in addition to boosting home equity, Higher prices have made the next step for retirees more expensive, leaving some with less ability to pad their nest egg by making a move. More from Elizabeth O'Brien, personal finance reporter at Barron's. Elizabeth, what did you look at? Yeah, well, I looked at um, the fact that, you know, Americans in general are sitting on a lot of home equity, a collective $32 trillion, But it's not that easy to, you know, extract that housing wealth until you move. A lot of baby boomers want to move. They want to you know, relocate closer to family when they get older. But it's not that, you know, they're fine. What they're finding is that the smaller house they might want to downsize to is not that much cheaper a lot of times than the house they're trying to sell. That large family home they're trying to unload, it's not that easy to to make that kind of downsizing move these days. And how come? Explain all those factors. Well, we've got a lot of, as anyone who's, you know, in the housing market knows, there's not that much inventory out there because of high interest rates. People are just not selling their homes at, you know, that much. So there's not a lot of not a lot of houses there, which has made the demand for the existing homes on the market that much hotter, especially in markets that retirees want. One real estate agent told me she's that one destination, for example, they like is Charlottesville, Virginia retirees want walkable communities they want a lot of amenities that's a great college town that a lot of people want to relocate to but home prices there are up 15 percent year over year versus just two percent for the the country as a whole so bottom line people are saying you know what i want to you know sell my four-bedroom family home buy a small condo but you know what they cost the same we're not going to be able to you know get a lot of home equity out of that move boy so uh, what's a retiree to do yeah, it's a conundrum, especially for people who are counting on that home equity to pad their retirement savings. Now, their average retirement savings is 223000 according to Vanguard. So people oftentimes use this or want to use this kind of downsizing move in older age 
to pad their nest eggs. They're getting rid of the big house where they raise their kids. They're buying something smaller and cheaper. So when that kind of move becomes harder, one thing to do is just, you know, look farther afield. You got to look behind the destinations wherever that everybody wants to go to that have the most, you know, the highest home prices. So one Florida realtor told me her clients are finding success going to Kentucky, West Virginia, you know, they're selling their homes in Florida for 900,000. They're buying a new place for 350. So there are still opportunities to downsize and, and get a lot, extract a lot of home equity, but you got to widen your, you know, net. You got to look, look a bit farther afield than you might have otherwise done. Boy, we're speaking with Elizabeth O'Brien, personal finance reporter at Barron's. Her story is called Why Rising Home Prices Aren't Always Good News for Retirees. Uh, you referenced to uh, coastal homeowners since you touched on Florida. Explain that. Yeah, well, coastal uh, homeowners have seen, generally speaking, the most appreciation in recent decades. So, you know, people in Florida, California, the Northeast New York area, they've generally seen the most appreciation. So they're sitting on the most equity and they do have then the most flexibility to relocate somewhere cheaper and, you know, pay less, basically, and and to, to extract some of that equity, whereas people living in places where home values haven't gone up as much, they might actually have to pay more when they relocate. Thanks, Elizabeth. Elizabeth O'Brien, personal finance reporter at Barron's. 30 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Hey there, Gordon Deal here, and everyone knows the best part of fall is the food. I found a new way to embrace the season. Hello Fresh Markets, limited time fall flavors. Let me tell you about their apple cider cake with caramel sauce. Man, so good. Are you looking for the perfect game night treat? Write this one down, barbecue pulled pork nachos. Speaking of which, I recently had the kids home from school, and HelloFresh not only saved me time, but made me look like a pro chef. Using farm fresh ingredients, you're going to get the flavors of fall in every bite. And trust me, you don't want to miss out on the mini pumpkin cheesecake. It's perfect for a me-time treat. Want to give it a shot? Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus free shipping. That's right, 50% off plus free shipping at HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50Gordon. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon with code 50 Gordon. The news without the nonsense. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Thursday, October 26. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine leaves at least 22 dead. Mike Johnson of Louisiana is the new Speaker of the House. Israel continues bombarding Gaza, seeking to root out Hamas. The UAW strikes a tentative labor agreement with Ford. Talks with GM and Stellantis are ongoing. Meta, parent company of Facebook, says ad sales propelled it to a quarterly profit of $11 billion. Buckingham and bills in Thursday night football, Astros manager Dusty Baker retiring, and the car community rallies for a stranger. That story in about 20 minutes. More than a year after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, one thing seems clear. New state bans have done little so far to deter women from obtaining abortions. Laura Casisto, legal reporter at the Wall Street Journal, says new data shows the number of abortions ticked up slightly in the year following the high court's Dobbs ruling. Laura, explain. 
Yeah, something that I think is going to be surprising to a lot of people, um, that even with Roe v. Wade and with a number of states in the country, some 16 states in the country banning many or most abortions, we're seeing abortions continuing to rise. Um, and again, I think um, many of us would have expected to see at least some decline given the huge change in the legal landscape we've seen over the last year. All right, so peel some of the layers back then. Why is this happening? So I think the big unexpected thing that's happened is that while abortions have declined sharply um, in states that have passed either what we call total abortion bans or abortion bans after six weeks of pregnancy, um, that has been more than counterbalanced by an increase in abortions um, in blue states, in places where abortion has stayed legal. Um, and I think that's being driven by a couple of things. One certainly is people traveling um, from red states, um, get going from, say, Texas to California to get an abortion. Um, but I think another really unexpected piece of that is that just in an effort to accommodate that increased demand, um, clinics seem to have also made it easier for people even in state to get an abortion than it was before. Um, and that seems to have also driven really just an, an, an increase in the total number. Uh, you pointed to telehealth, I think, as part of that. A hundred percent. So, you know, what might happen is, say, a clinic in California um, scales up their ability to offer telehealth appointments with the idea that that make, might make it easier for out-of-state patients, that it just allows them to accommodate an increase in demand. Um, and then that then makes it easier for a patient in a rural area in California to also access those services. Hmm. All right. So you said, too, uh, I mean, the law has created these laws have created obstacles, however. Uh, what, what's that been like? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't want to sort of pretend that the world hasn't changed. The world has changed quite dramatically, um, certainly in a way that just isn't necessarily being captured by the data. So, for example, you know, I hear stories all the time uh, about women who will drive overnight from Texas to Florida, get an abortion, get in their car and then drive all the way home because they can't afford to take more time off work or to pay for more child care. Um, and, you know, certainly also, I think another aspect is just the sort of loss of privacy, that if you're going out of state, you're much more likely to have to tell, you know, your friend who you're going to have come with you, your job, um, that sort of loss of the kind of making these decisions in a, in a, in a private sphere. Wow. We're speaking with Laura Casisto, legal reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Her story is called Roe v. Wade is Gone, But Abortions Are on the Rise. You said, too, that the landscape of abortion access is unsettled. Explain. Yeah, so I um uh, while I, I I think we have a strong trend so far in the first year showing that these laws haven't done much to decrease abortions and that actually they've increased, um there's still a lot that could change. Um the Florida Supreme Court right now is weighing a law that could uh, is weighing a challenge that could ultimately lead a six week ban to go into effect. We have state court challenges pending in a number of different states. Um and so while I don't think we're going to see a lot of new bans passed sort of legislatively, um. I would not sort of characterize this as a landscape where everything is is settled for the foreseeable future. I think we're going to still see lots and lots of upheaval. Explain to the point you made about how how challenges for anti-abortion groups remain. Yeah, I mean, I would say challenges for anti-abortion groups not only remain, but I think are more acute than ever. Um, you know, I think this puts them in a position of looking at all of the efforts they made, you know, the 50-year effort to overturn Roe, um, which was followed by a tremendously sort of successful legislative push in a number of conservative states to pass these kinds of laws. And then they end up in a situation where sort of in practice, it doesn't seem to be making a huge difference. Um, and so then that raises sort of big hard 
hard political questions for them? Do they try to make it harder for women to travel to other states? Do they try to make it harder for women to order pills online? Um, that may have to be part of the solution if they want to get the total number of abortions down. But that also is prevents real kind of political challenges and risks for them. Thanks, Laura. Laura Casisto, legal reporter at The Wall Street Journal. People are grappling with different opinions among friends, family, and colleagues in the wake of the Hamas attack on Israel and Israel's response. For example, a college group text devolving because no one can agree. Millennials walking on eggshells for fear of upsetting their Gen Z partners. Here's David Oliver, wellness reporter at USA Today. David, what are you hearing? People are having these conversations both on social media and off that families, friends, everyone is sort of arguing about a really complicated topic in a super not nuanced way because um, it's really hard to have these types of conversations. And experts said you really have to, you know, you have to go in with very clear intentions when you're having these conversations to figure out if you're trying to just kind of vent or you're trying to listen to someone's story if you're trying to convince someone of something, it's tricky. Um, you should go with an intent before having any conversations with anybody so it doesn't get too intense. So examples of uh, emotions running high. You referenced a rabbi in your kind of opening paragraph here. What's he going through? Um, basically, he, you know, among among some group chats um, with people that he grew up with are really kind of, you know, going after some of his beliefs on the um, situation in Israel and Gaza. And it's really just dredging up a lot of, you know, of reminders um, of feeling excluded from these types of people. And it's becoming really difficult for him. Um, and it's just a further reminder about how people say a lot of things in the heat of the moment that they, may not, you know, that they may not necessarily mean. Hmm. So you don't necessarily want to hold somebody accountable for every, everything that they're saying when, they're, when emotions are running high. But you're going to remember what things that they said, too. So it's kind of a balancing act there of what you want to really let, you know, sit with you and what you don't. This is not the first emotional issue we've dealt with, obviously. What, uh, I don't know, what are, what are better ways to deal with this? Um, I mean, better ways, I think, in general, are if you feel like you don't have the emotional capacity to talk about something of this nature, you are very much allowed to say, hi, I don't want to talk about this. You can tell somebody who wants to engage you on something that you are not interested or that you'll let them know when you are. That's totally cool. You also don't have to post about it on social media if you do not want to. There is no obligation. You can deal with things privately um, as much as you'd like. But in general, I would say really, you know, take a beat and try and listen to people before speaking generally and absorb information as much as possible because it's hard to, you know, it's hard to take something back once you've said something. Yeah. We're speaking with David Oliver, wellness reporter at USA Today. He's written a story. That's called Israel, Gaza, and how it's tearing your family and friends apart. What else did you hear on this front from maybe uh, friends or family that are so divided that the differences might be irreparable? Uh, I think in general, you know, it's these are conversations that are between, you know, millennial partners and their Gen Z, I guess between millennials and their Gen Z partners. It's between parents and children. There are different generational aspects of this, different cultures that have different viewpoints on this friend groups, you know, arguing in group chats about things, it's definitely become a real problem that people are really afraid to talk on the record about. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to the sources who did speak with me. But in general, it's just something that people are finding difficult. I know in my own life, I'm finding it difficult just to talk about in general with people and often, often refrain from doing so on purpose. Yeah. At the very tail end of your piece, uh, you quoted someone who said behind every 
angry statement behind every talking point we throw at each other, there's a hurt person. Explain that a little more. Basically, you know, we all have very, as we said before, intense emotions about this topic, uh, particularly if somebody knows somebody directly involved or if someone is Jewish or someone is Palestinian. You know, there really are, you know, these people, I guess, feel really connected to this particular issue. So anytime somebody is lashing out about something, in particular with this topic, it's typically because that they are hurt in some way and hurt by the way others may be speaking about them or talking to them. So that's sort of where this is coming from. It's a good reminder of just, you know, remembering that everybody at the end of the day is a person and is dealing with very complicated feelings typically on this issue, or maybe to them, not, not complicated. Maybe they have a very clear idea about something that you see is the complete opposite, or maybe you're, you lie somewhere very much in a gray area. It's just part of, you know, either having conversations or withholding in order to make, you know, you know, in order to be productive in terms of your relationships. And often it's okay to hit pause, I think is the, is the best thing that is the best piece of advice that I got. Thanks, David. David Oliver, wellness reporter at USA Today. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Thursday, eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. A massive manhunt is underway in Maine after a mass shooting that spanned a restaurant and bowling alley four miles apart last night left at least 22 people dead and up to 60 wounded. Maine Public Safety Commissioner Mike Soschuk says the situation remains very fluid as a search for 40-year-old Robert Card. If people see him, they should not approach Card or make contact with him in any way. Card is believed to be in the Army Reserve and allegedly made threats to shoot up the National Guard base in Maine. Number two. The Israel Defense Forces say they conducted an overnight raid in northern Gaza as part of preparations for the next stage of combat. The IDF says soldiers located and struck numerous terrorists and terror infrastructure. President Biden, meanwhile, called for a pause in Israel's military operations in order to allow more aid to get into the Gaza Strip. Israelis should be incredibly careful to be sure that they're focusing on going after the folks that are propagating this war against Israel. The raid comes amid heightened expectations of a step up in the IDF's offensive. Number three. The House has elected Mike Johnson of Louisiana as speaker with a staunch conservative overcoming the divisions that had paralyzed the chamber for three weeks. He says he's ready to go. In this time of great crisis, 
It is our duty to work together, as previous generations of great leaders have, to face these great challenges and solve these great problems. Johnson has made his name pushing conservative positions on cultural issues and played a key role in unsuccessful legal efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Hurricane Otis slammed into Mexico's Pacific port and popular beach resort of Acapulco as a powerful Category 5 storm, leaving in its wake widespread flooding and devastation. The hurricane ripped into buildings and tore off roofs. Much of Acapulco is without electricity, phone, and internet service. Cheaper heating bills are in the forecast this winter for millions of households. Ample stockpiles of natural gas and expectations for a warmer-than-normal winter have forecasters calling for gas to cost much less than last year. The Energy Information Agency says households that heat with natural gas should expect their bills this winter to be about $601 on average, down 21% from last winter. I'd be happy to pocket those savings. Thank you, Jen. Pleasure with us. A determined single mom was looking for a budget-friendly way to give her son a special birthday, so she reached out on Facebook to the local car community. And the response was overwhelming. Michaela Freeman was hoping to urge a few motor enthusiasts to form a car parade down their street near Nashville. On social media, she wrote, My son's eighth birthday is Sunday. He's a major car guy. The plea was shared 550 times. Goodnewsnetwork.org says within two days it sparked the generosity of 83 drivers who showed up at noon on a recent Sunday. With large Mylar balloons in the front yard, young Tristan was brought outside to witness an endless stream of gorgeous cars tooting their horns and passing birthday wishes and gifts through the open windows. Over 100 strangers showed up in the Laverne neighborhood to surprise the 8-year-old. Especially welcome were those driving Challenger Hellcats and McLarens, Tristan's two favorite cars. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.